Welcome to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter. I'm Richard Bliss, the host. This is episode 90. 90 episodes. Can you believe that? We have been having a great time over the last 90 episodes as we've rode, ridden this roller coaster ride of watching Kickstarter go from something that a few of us were talking about a, a year or so ago to some incredibly crazy stuff over the past uh, 2012. You know, at the beginning of the year, I predicted that Kickstarter board game projects would surpass the 5 to $6 million mark. Man, was I wrong! They're up around the 10 to $12 million mark, and I hate being wrong, but there we go. I wanted to give a, uh, a shout out to a couple of things. One, I'm trying to, if you go to thegamewhisperer.com or follow me on Twitter, Richard Bliss, I have a new Twitter handle, and that is Fund the Dream. And that's where I'm going to start putting out some more information that's per- pertinent to the podcast. And one of those pieces of information is, is that I've had so many requests for information and people reaching out and uh, it's been great to talk to so many people I've, I'm creating and you've heard me talk about it the crowdfunding academy and it will be something that we will be launching at the end of no, uh, October to kind of bring together so much of this information and make it available to you you'll be able to find out uh, how to kind of learn about that on thegamewhisperer.com's blog and I'll have more information here on the podcast alright enough for the public service announcements let's go ahead and talk about our next guest my guest has been on the show before. He is one of the top ten all-time most listened to episodes uh, that we talked about when he was here last time. He has had a very successful Kickstarter project and is wrapping up a second one that is doing very well. Um, we're joined by Mr. Eric Sawyers. Eric, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Richard. Eric, um, just to let everybody know, um, Eric, you are the founder of Break From Reality Games, and your number one game, which did very well, was uh, Disaster Looms, which is now, I was at the game store today and saw it on the shelf. That's great to hear. It is. It's kind of exciting to uh, kind of have followed this path along with you and talk to you about it, and now to be seeing it at my local game store and walking in to be able to see it. And then you have a second project that, at the time of the recording of this, is just about to end. Tell us about that one. Sure. Uh, well, we have a damage report currently uh, currently up on Kickstarter. Um, this is the final weekend uh, for its funding. We're up to a uh, little over forty-four thousand um, dollars. So we're we're pretty excited about that. The game is funded, so uh, that's exciting. We've got our, our next title basically uh, um, is 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 in the hopper, and uh, we're looking forward to. Um, putting another quality game out there uh, to be on your shelf there at the game store local next to you. Well, let's talk about that because um, the game Disaster Loom, so I'm just going to, I apologize to everybody that I'm typing, but uh, when we look at take a look at Disaster Looms, there's something going on with Break from Reality Games that are slightly different, and that is Disaster Looms funded in June, and that's just a couple of months ago. Now you're telling me that... Uh, Damage Report is about to finish funding, and it's, I'm going to see it on game shelves really quick. And then you've got another one in the hopper. You know, you're, this is three games that you're cranking out in like six months. There's a secret formula, and you talked about it last time. What's making it possible for you so to quickly turn around these games? Well, the, the you know, uh, U.S. publication is, is uh, definitely cutting our, our turnaround time for getting a game from... Uh, being in produ- or being in concept to uh, art production to actually having the game in distribution, um, we were able to 
Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, that's what we talked about last time is that, yep. and that's why you're one of the top 10 most listened to because we talked about the process of finding a U.S. manufacturer for your game to speed that process along. And that's what you've done, right? That is correct. Now, to be fair, that hasn't been without its bumps. That, that, is, that is also correct. <laughs> now, the game got out. You've had it out there. Tell us. So, so we know that the podcast is traditionally listened to by a lot of gamers, people who have a game idea, and they want to bring it out to the market. What you did is you went out and did some research and found a U.S.-based manufacturer. What are some of the challenges that you were faced with when you found the manufacturer and getting a game out using a U.S.-based manufacturer versus somebody? Obviously, usually it's China, although there are some manufacturers in Germany as well. What are some of the challenges that you saw using a U.S. manufacturer? Well, the, the, the biggest challenge is, is that um, U.S. manufacturers are used to a certain type of, of board game. Um, you know, typically they're, they've made games that are um, folding board games, um, you know, uh, bifold or usually not even a quadfold, but just usually a bifold board with uh, cards and, and tokens. Um, and usually that is about the the complexity that that many manufacturers do. Now, it's not not 100% the case. Um, there are, are definitely some very large uh, board game manufacturers here in the U.S. But for making small volume Kickstarter projects, um, there's not very many manufacturers. That was, I guess, the number one issue. Uh, was actually just finding someone who is willing to take on our project um, at the the type of volumes we were talking about. What kind of volumes are you talking about? Um, well, initially we were looking for a quote for a thousand games, and and then, you know, after realizing that we were kind of you know probably a little bit too low, um, we started looking at like twenty five hundred and thirty five hundred copies. And so you were able to find somebody who kind of came in at that number, and then so. Your game, then, for those who don't know, <laughs> excuse me, Disaster Looms is a hex-based game. Think Settlers of Catan type thing where you have the hexes and you build the map as you go along. Uh, and so finding, so what you're saying is, is that the complexity of the cut, the counters, the punch boards, all of that kind of added to a level of complexity maybe they weren't used to. Yeah, there, there certainly was some, some challenges there. Um, it was also our first game. Um, which also added to the challenges. Uh, in what way? Well, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of um, industry jargon. Um, there's a lot of terminology that that you need to learn or that you learn as you kind of go along. Um, there's things that happen. You know, now that we've gone through the printing process, there's there's issues that can arise that you may not think is possible to have happen. Like, do uh, you got an example? Yeah. I mean, for example, we had a uh, an art file that um, our artist submitted, um, uh, that, that we actually submitted to our printer. Um, we got a, uh, a printed proof of that. We reviewed that. We found a couple small mistakes, um, resubmitted that. It went from the, uh, the, the, the print proof to our uh, actual die cutter, um, and they, they basically gave feedback with some issues with bleed lines, um, you know, to where we didn't have matching bleed lines. So, so we we went back to the drawing board and and, and made some corrections there. This is the the whole proofing process. It's it's pretty typical. Um, 
you know, that then went back to the, uh, the printer, uh, went through another proofing stage, um, and, um, you know, we kind of gave it all a green light. Um, but somehow in that process, from the very first file to the third file, um, one of our, our cards actually lost text from it. Um, you know, these cards are all, or this, this particular sheet was a um, sheet of, of uh, playing cards, and they all had heart, art with a background color, and, and some of them had graphics. And so this was a layered, each of these cards was a layered file. Somehow, um, in, in the process of going back and forth, one and only one of those cards um, completely lost its text. And it was missed by our team, and it was missed by the printing team, um, and went into production, you know, without text on one of the cards. Um, you know, in the in the afterward, in the discussion with the printer, uh, they had never had that happen before. So interesting. Um, and so yeah. that happened. What did you do to fix it? Um, well, you know, at this point, uh, what we're doing is we're having uh, additional copies of the card printed up and. Uh, we're making those available to people who want that. And, and the biggest thing is, is informing people, um, you know, letting our backers know first and foremost. It was it was a situation to where not all the copies were affected. It was only 50 percent of the copies um, because the printing was done in such a way to where um, the top the top part on this sheet was correct. The bottom part was not. Uh, um, interesting. So, How interesting. So, it's not, so it's not something that we caught. You know, when when we're looking at a um, you know the final proof copy, because um, you know there because was because some, some of them were correct. That's right, half of them were correct. Right. You know, it's interesting. Uh, I had a similar thing happen. I in a marketing once doing a campaign, we created a a marketing piece of collateral. It was a it was a key card at a Marriott at a very large event, and we created key cards for all the uh, guests at the Marriott. You know, put your logo on the key card type thing. Uh-huh. And uh, at the event, an attendee came up to me and handed me his key card and said, funny, you misspelled the word group. And I was like, what are you talking about? Right? Because it had gone through. And he handed me the card and he pointed to the word and he said, look, it's spelled G-R-O-U-P-E. And I'm thinking, whoa, man, somebody screwed up at the people I gave this to. So I went immediately right then, took the card and went to the person. Actually, no, I gave the card back and took my card out and looked and had not even seen it. Took it to the person right then because I knew who I had given these files to. And he said, wow, I didn't see that. He went back to his files. It was there. I went back to my original team and said, how did this happen? The person who created it was French-Canadian. <laughs> and they had put the French spelling of the word in this sentence, and they hadn't found it. My team hadn't found it. The printer hadn't found it. The uh, people who had uh, handled it, nobody found it until a customer walked up and handed it to us and said, hey, somebody missed, because her spell checker was in French, and it said it was spelled right. And then yep. nobody else did spell checking. So I, I can understand how that can be a shock. Yes. Yep. How, it did, was... it, how did it get there? Yep. That's... Okay. Well, let's see. Okay. My question is, is that if, um, would you and will you continue to use a, a U.S.-backed printer 
because now you've gone through this process. Is it worth, is it worth this learning curve? Well, I think the learning curve would have been here no matter what. Um, there's some things that we chose to do as well on break from reality side that I think helped um, cause some of these issues. Um, we were uh, we we put self-imposed deadlines and placed a lot of pressure on ourselves uh, in order to meet those deadlines. Um, and in doing so, um, I think that there probably was um, a little less scrutiny than what we should have done um, on a couple of these issues. Um, how have your backers reacted? In general, yeah. in general, the backers have been uh, very supportive. Um, we've 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 tried our best to keep them in communication, let them know what's going on. Um, as these mistakes were revealed, you know, um, they they you know, each one was like, oh, that isn't that isn't so bad, and oh, that one's okay. That's you know, that's just a couple, you know, little little small issue, and like, oh, that's. That's not a good thing. Um, and so as, as, you know, these things started adding up, you know, we, we have uh, really two, two um, printing errors that they're not devastating. They don't, you know, they don't really make the game unplayable at all. Um, they just make um, the game not perfect as we intended it. Right. They don't, um, they don't cast you in the light that you really wanted to be cast in, right? That's that's right. I mean, we we intended to make a game that was of the highest quality, without mistakes, without printing errors, you know, without with excellent components and and et cetera. And unfortunately, you know, we did not achieve that on our first game and our first printing. I'm going to be more specific on our first printing, right? Because um, we will make these corrections, and our second print run will be perfect. Because the game. From what we've heard now, uh, I've had Aldo uh, Yahtzee on the show. Aldo and I do a joint podcast every two weeks to retailers about new games that are coming out. Uh, Aldo's impressions carries disaster looms. And the word from him is is that your game is actually doing very well. Yeah, it, it, has, it has been doing very well. Um, the, the general feedback has been the game is a lot of fun, um, which is, is what more of an endorsement can you get than that? Um, you know, you, you want to hear that, you know, because, well, of course, we're very biased, but we, we thought the game was fun, too. Um, so it was very good. It's very good to hear, you know, our backers in general are enjoying, enjoying the game. Um, the people who have not enjoyed the game, you know, I've had some conversations with a couple of them, and, in, and they're, they're very reasonable. They're like, I, I don't, you know, I'm not saying anything despairing about what you've done here. It's just not a game for me. It's like, okay, you know, that's perfectly appropriate you know i there's something about it that just doesn't fit their game style um but in general uh you know the the, the response has been very positive um over these mistakes um you know we have kept our, our backers informed um we've actually had a couple backers come right out and say to people you know look let's do our our best to give feedback to break from reality so they catch all of these errors and all of these mistakes so that they get it right on the second printing, because I want to see this game be one of the best-selling games ever. Well, it's, and it's doing well. It's, it's, it's yep, it's doing well. And and but that right there to me, that is what really makes Kickstarter different from being a pre-order system. Is that people are invested in this in in, in our project. People are partners in this project. Um, people take personal pride in being part of this project. 
And, you know, I want to make sure that that pride and that, 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 uh, uh, almost fanaticism is is rewarded. You know, I want the game to succeed. I want the game to be something that they can point on a shelf in a few years and say, you know, I helped make that game. You know, I it was my funding that made that game a reality. And and and, and I think that's you're you're right. That's the heart and soul of what Kickstarter is all about. In, yes. In your case, now uh, in these last few minutes that we have, people are sitting out listening. Because the the listener on this podcast tends to be somebody who has a Kickstarter project that they're thinking of doing. Oftentimes it is a board game that's uh, one of the most popular demographics that listen to the show. What advice, real good, solid advice do you do you give to them at this point? Do you tell them to do you tell them to just go the the China route and find somebody who's done this before, or do you tell them that it's worth the investment of the hard work to 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 work with a local printer? Um, and are there some lessons that you need to, to pass on to say, wow, this, this is what we learned and we were right and this is what we learned and we were wrong? Absolutely. Um, the number one lesson that, that we've learned as far as that, that we learned um, and, and made mistakes with is that you can do things quickly. Um, in fact, you can be well ahead of the industry curve uh, for timing. However, um, the amount of effort that takes for your team, um, as well as the narrowness that you have for, um, you know, reviewing you reviewing your product and ensuring that everything is perfect, gets so slim that mistakes like we're encountering, um, you know, can occur. And I think that is, you know, I don't I don't place any of this blame at all on our U.S. printer partner. Um, that I I think. The vast, I mean, almost every mistake here that's been made uh, was made by by a decision to try to meet a uh, deadline, which was delivering the game prior to Penny Arcade uh, Expo in Seattle, Washington. And uh, attempting to achieve that, um, I think, cost us some of these errors. And, yep. And and I, I do not, I, 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 you know, our next game... We're, we're definitely continuing to evaluate, um, uh, you know, our U.S. our U.S. Uh, producer here for this next game. Um, however, there are some quality issues that we need to address. Um, that is just the nature of the, the the producer that we're working with. That if we can't overcome, we may we may actually source a different printer. Um, so you know that that's that's still to be seen, but we're we're working through that as well. All right, and then in our last comment here is you mentioned Penny Arcade. You you were gunning for Penny Arcade Prime in Seattle. Uh, your project, Disaster Looms, raised was it twenty five thousand dollars in the last twenty four hours of the project? Is that That's about right. yes. And so people are going to look at your. You go out to kick track and they look at it, and you got this huge hockey stick at the end on the very last day. Uh, almost half your backers and one third of your revenue was raised in the last 24 hours. And how did that happen? Um, that was a uh, that that actually was one of the uh, folks from Penny Arcade, Tyco, um, actually had a mention uh, of our game on the front page of Penny Arcade, um, which we're very very thankful for. Um, how did it happen to begin with? Um, 
you know, uh, several of our um, uh, team members are uh, enforcers uh, for, for Penny Arcade. So there was a, basically, Penny Arcade is part of the community that we were outreaching to. And, um, you know, uh, we don't know exactly what drove uh, Tycho to, to do what he did, but it was a, a very kind uh, gesture on his part. And um, it resulted in a lot of people getting to see uh, Disaster Looms and a lot of people deciding that it was a game for them. Well, uh, I've taken a look at it. I, uh, you know that Aldo and I reviewed it in our video a couple weeks ago, and uh, look, it's a great-looking game. And so I'm thrilled that it's on the shelves and it's doing so well, and that we got to be part of the process here on the show. That was kind of fun. We, we appreciate it also. You know, it's been a very... Very uh, uh, fun process um, and uh, a lot of work, uh, but it's been very rewarding to, to go into a, a game store and uh, see see a game with your name on it um, in the wild, as we say. Yep, in uh, the wild. It's pretty exciting. So it, it is. Well, Eric, thank you very much for being on the show, and we're going to look forward to seeing uh, Damage Report as it uh, wraps up here in its funding. Absolutely. And, yeah, I've, if you see Disaster Limbs, think it looks good. Um, just think of all the lessons we've learned uh, from it. Uh, they will not be repeated in Damage Report. First printing. Oh, that'll be excellent. Okay, you've been listening to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter Episode 90. We've been talking to Eric Sawyers, the founder of Break from Reality Games, the creator of a very fun and successful uh, game called Disaster Looms that, has, that did very well on Kickstarter and now is in your local friendly game store. Hopefully you've heard something here that's been inspiring and help you understand some of the challenges that maybe you need to overcome and pay attention to. We certainly appreciate Eric sharing his wisdom and hard-earned knowledge. We thank you for listening. Take care.